Who's your daddy? Boom! We are off with another episode of Booze Your Daddy, the podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Alan Snyder, as our guest today will definitely be able to verify. Here with one of my favorite people in the world, my regular Wednesday morning appointment. I'll leave that for you to guess. Mr. Ron Katz. What's up, man? Oh, Mr. Oh, my God. Doctor, doctor. Um... Life is good. Life is good. Yes. Uh, and I do have to call you doctor. That is true. Absolutely. That's how we met. Yeah, we'll get into the story about how we met. And you and I have become very close over the years. And yes. you know, it really is crazy because I feel like I introduce every guest as, oh, here's one of my favorite people. But we are really close and we've shared so many happy moments and sweaty moments. and yeah, I'm A just, lot of sweaty moments, yes. I'm just trying to make it out now. Okay, but just keep Maybe. it clean, okay? It's like... <laughs> I really am just trying to make it out now like you're an escort or something to that extent. extent. But well, it's not, oh, 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 not, not under this name. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm teasing my man. You're good. I have so much I want to talk about, but you are a regular listener to the show. One of my biggest fans, I think, but I'm one of your biggest fans just as well. Oh, well, thank you. I have no idea why, but um, and I love the live cast. The live yes. cast last week, yes. The live was cast hysterical. was awesome. Thank you so much for participating, putting comments. For people who don't know, we're doing some live streams these days. It can be found on Facebook under the page Booze Your Daddy, B-O-O-S-Y-O-U-R-D-A-D-D-Y. We'll probably be doing them every week, every other week, but they're a lot of fun. Zach oh. and I had a blast. I was laughing so hard. Yes. Oh, oh um, please, is G- Jesus eat end tables? Give me a break. I, that uh, was good, right? That <laughs> I'm still laughing. It was great. It was hard, but you know, a part of this is I like to think of myself as a part-time comedian. It's hard being the straight man in that duo because Zach is way funnier than I am. He completely reduced you to the straight man, which is not usually your role. Absolutely. But no, he's tough to keep up with. He was pretty good. Well, today for my beer is I have another listener dedicated beer by the current guest of the show who is drinking the exact same beer. So Ronald, why don't you share with everybody what we are drinking today? Uh, Well, this is a Broken Bow Brewery Red Ale. Here we go. Broken Brew, broke, I can, you know, after three or four, it is absolutely a Broken Brew Browery. Um, Broken Bow Brewery from Tuckahoe, New York. Um, Broken Bow itself is out in Nebraska. And a friend of mine introduced me to this. That is, with, that is the town where the family that runs and made the brewery came from. Uh, Broken Bow, uh, apparently, here's the, you want the story? Or we, I'm getting a little dry here. Go on, baby. You do oh, you. Uh, I, I, I'm getting a little thirsty. Um, but Broken Bow Brewery, uh, the family was out there. And the, the dad and the family got transferred to a position in New York. So he and the whole family moved here and they settled up here. And then his son gets a job working in the same company that he is. They shall remain nameless. Um, and then the dad loses his job with the company because, you know, the economy sometimes sucks. And then the son loses his. And they're trying to figure out what to do next. But while the dad was laid off, he started getting better and better at his hobby, making beer. And afterwards, apparently they pooled their severances and they created the brewery. And it started out when I first went up there, they had nine employees, seven family and two girlfriends. And uh, they gave tours of the brewery. It was great. The place now, they have brew trucks that go out. They have a beer garden in the back. 
they, I love their beers. They are wonderful. Yeah, and you are a big fan of red ales, which so I'm so glad that we get to share red ales on yep. today's show. I didn't know if we were pouring these into a glass, because I normally don't do that, but red ales do have a very good look to it. You say no go on the glass, and so we'll forgo that. Can we just take a break of Tuckahoe, New York? I feel like I need to go Tuckahoe up there, wherever yeah. that brewery is. Oh, yeah, it's, and this is the best thing, and this is not to be, you know, pimping for them, but uh, they are walking distance from the Metro North train station. Okay, or, well, or even yeah, it's walking distance going and stumbling distance coming home. Beautiful. I'll be sure to check this place out. Probably never, but I do appreciate the backstory. Yeah, all downhill from the brewery to the train station. It's great. The problem with breweries is once you do one, they're kind of all the same crap. They really are. Except for the product. That's the thing. They have good product and they have a lot of IPAs. Next time I'm up there, I'm going to get you the IPA. It wouldn't have been you if you didn't get me a red ale because I know how much you love oh, the red is, ales. Yes. The Ambers, they're my favorites. All right. Well, without further ado, Mr. Katz, you know the drill. Release, Release the, the Kraken. Kraken. Beautiful. Yamas. Beautiful Okay. That is heavy. It always kind of tastes like a cream ale. Red ales are not my favorite, but they're good for one. Okay. Yeah. Or three. Um, I, have been known, I have been known to make a dent in this. Have you ever had Jenny cream ale? Genesee? No. Oh, my God. This was the beer in college. Um, well, I think I know it. It, was, it kind of falls into like the Schlitz category type of old school beers. It looks up at Schlitz. Um, <laughs> it's Genesee Brewery, which used to be, as we put it, on the crystal clear waters of Lake Erie. Um, that was the joke. I went to school undergrad in Binghamton, and you could get a six-pack. Okay, this was a few years ago, but you can get a six-pack of Jenny Cream Ale for 99 cents when it was on sale. I know a oh. Jenny that'll give you a six-pack for 99 cents <laughs> of some cream ale. Oh, my God. This stuff was disgusting. We used to drink that and Utica Club. Another disgusting beer I wouldn't drink. Horrible. Now. I do not want to talk about disgusting beers with you right now. You're making my mouth unwater or whatever that oh, saying is. Oh, but this is wonderful. I'm good. Well, I'm happy you're happy. So on Booze Your Daddy, you know, for the my people that come onto the show, I've been trying to wear something mm-hmm. representative of what my guests are or what they're like or if there's a themed episode. Believe it or not, which I don't think you knew that I own a New York Yankees jersey. I was flabbergasted when this came on. Is there a number on the back? There don't tell me who, just give me the number. Well, it kind of gives it away with the Yankees because and you obviously knowing so much about the Yankees, and I would say you might be one of the biggest Yankee fans that I know, and that is very high regard considering some of my guy friends who live, breathe, eat shit, and sleep <laughs> Yankees. But this was given to me as a gift from a while ago before I moved to New York City. So it had a couple of meanings. Is one, it has my num- my favorite number on the back, which I'm realizing now you probably don't know. It was 47? My ho- that is a very good guess. Uh, 47 is my lucky number. Oh, okay. But it was my hockey number my whole career. It was a welcome present, this jersey, because I was coming to New York. And it also kind of has a little symbolism because it was a gift for graduating physical therapy school. And one of the ailments that physical therapists tend to treat is 
people with Lou Gehrig's disease. Oh, so I know what number is on the back. So just remember the number on the back is more important than the name on the front or however that saying goes. But this is number four of the New York Yankees. Yeah, that's a, too easy. Obviously. Yes. But it also has a little symbolism because that guy held a record until the Iron Man, Cal Ripken Jr., smashed his record. Who? Exactly. Don't start with Who? me. <laughs> so I wanted to wear this because you're a big Yankee fan. And, you know, you give me more props for the Baltimore Orioles than probably anybody else. Because when the Orioles go on a winning streak, which nowadays is one win, and then if we're leading in the second game, that's basically a winning streak, whether we win or not. I thought it was a win and a rain out. I'll take it, dude. We are so bad. But for you, you're Mr. Break Up the Birds. They got two in a row. They did. They took two out of three from the... If the Yankees had played better against the Birds this year, they would have been in the first place. But it wouldn't have mattered because they still would have played the same team, no? Yeah, probably. I'm just saying, they st- it may be the home field advantage, which there really wasn't, but that cookie crumbles the same way. Yeah, that cookie did crumble. <laughs> Actually, yeah, yeah, it went down the same way. But anyway, so yeah. I wore that and we did this. So first, I feel like we should start first by how we know each other. And I tend to take liberties with some of the stories that I tell. And basically, the way I tell the story is when I was making home calls, randomly I got assigned one day to go meet this asshole over on 95th Street. And I show up and this was you know, Ron, who I met, it must be, your surgery was when, six years ago now? Yeah, well, five and a half, yeah. Five and a half? May of, May of 2015. And you had the full-blown, crack-the-ribs-open, open-heart procedure. Now, sometimes I tell the people that you had a full-blown, like, oh, I'm going down, I'm going down, somebody's got to help <laughs> no, me. No, no, no. It makes it a lot better for the <laughs> end of this. But I tell people, you know, I met you and we started working together where first it was walking around the apartment, then it was walking to the elevator, then it was walking downstairs around the block, around the neighborhood, till eventually you progress to needing outpatient services. And I remember doing what I normally did. I said, now, you know, Mr. Katz, you can go to this place or this place or this place. And you looked at me and you went, don't you do this? Can't I just come see you? And I said, yeah, we can do that too. So then you came to start working with me and pretty much three times a month, we have been doing a workout for about six years now. Yeah. I mean, yeah I, that I, was, and by the way, I believe the expression was, why the fuck would I go anywhere else? Oh, I Love you too. No, wrong. Seriously, I mean, you know, the way you told the story, very accurate. It actually, you started with walking around the apartment. I remember the first start; it was getting up and down from a chair. It was, you know, it was basic. That's where Uh, it starts, man. And then it was like, yeah, why go anywhere else? But yeah, it has been, uh, you know, straight through. I when what what Rita, you know, Rita, yeah, (laughs) I know Rita. Your (laughs) wife, my wife. Malaf, um, Rita often says, how lucky were we that you happen to be the one assigned? Because I can promise you, if it had been just about anybody else, there's no way this would still be going on. When, you know, when Medicare, or whatever, not Medicare back then, but when the, uh, when the insurance said, well, you're done. That's all we're paying for. You're healthy now. And I said, the hell I am. Yeah. And that's when we, and I just said, we're going to keep going. Yeah. Ever since. Yeah. At least three times, sometimes four. Sometimes four, sometimes two. That's why I round to a healthy three times Definitely three. A, a month. But how lucky can one guy be? Mm. And it's oh, been it's been a lot of fun over the years. And then next thing you know, we're full-blown working out. And I'm starting to take boxing and kickboxing. And I don't know who said it to who or whom. I'd love to box. I'd love to learn how to do this. So the next thing you know, I bought you a pair of gloves. And we always add in 
some boxing, and I've posted a lot of your videos on my Instagram, on mm-hmm. Facebook. Look, it's not Tyson, but for a 60-year-old man, and you've gotten oh, older. Oh, you're so 60 plus. But yeah. you've been doing it for, we've been doing this for how long? It yeah. is It is so impressive. The speed, not exactly, you know, WBC <laughs> welterweight champion level, but it's so good and it's so impressive. And I've taught you pretty much all that I can. And sometimes we put on the gloves and do a little bit of light sparring. And I would put you up against a lot of people I know that have never taken a boxing class. Well, I, I do have to share with you, though, because this occurred to me. This is not the first time I have thrown a punch. You son of a bitch. You it lied occurred. to me all these years. I did lie to you all these years. Um, because, And I was trying to think about it. Remember we were talking about um, a certain TV show about chess? Can we talk? Can we mention the name? Yeah. yeah. We, saw the, we were talking about the Queen's Gambit the other day. And I was thinking, um, later I was talking to Rita, and she said, because I, I said, how did you know anything about chess? Because we're watching, and I'm explaining some things. And I said, we had to learn it during camp. I, did you ever go to sleepaway camp? I did. Of course. Are you nice kidding kid. me? Do you know one summer I held four different girls' hands? Like I was the Whoa. slut of the camp. It was great. Yeah, you were. Absolutely. Woo. Didn't wash it yet. Look at that. Look at those germs. <laughs> well, we had to do something. Um, you know, there had to be quiet hour. I think it was like after lunch. In the heat of the afternoon, it's like we're going back to the bunk. And one of the few things you could do was chess. I had a counselor who knew chess, so learned how to play chess. But I remembered the other thing from that summer, which is there was a guy I couldn't stand. I don't believe it. Mitch Taunton. T-A-U-N. Yeah, you know Mitch, right? Son of a bitch Mitch. Fucking Mitch. We did not like each other. He didn't like me. And he was the pet of one of the counselors. And so one day, it's like quiet hour, and I'm hanging out in my bunk or something, and they get get called into where the, the counselor's room. They had a room all the way at the end, private room. And Taunton's in there, and the guy says, listen, Ron, uh, we have a new activity for quiet hour. It's punch Taunton in the ribs. And it's like, oh, please give me a break. And they go, no, 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 that's what today is. It's punch Taunton in the... And it's just... And I'm standing, and it's like, please, I don't like it. And they're la- and he's laughing at me. He's right in front of me, and it's like, fine, boom, in the right, ribs. Cr- what, right, right here, right oh. below the ribs, the solar and, plexus. Yeah, ju- right there. One punch, he went down. Yeah, because dude, you hit him right in the solar plexus, which is. Yep. Do you know, you've heard that expression before, right? Like, oh, we got him in the solar plexus. He knocked the wind out of him. Most people have no idea why it's even called that. Do you know why? I have no idea. But when I started thinking about it, Holy shit, that was, it's like, that was the first time I remember punching, you know, I I had maybe two fights in my life as a kid, Mm -hmm. but that one, that was not a fight, that was one punch down. Yeah, you were bullying a poor kid. I was the one being picked on. (laughs) Go ahead, tell me about the solar plexus. (laughs) So a plexus is a group of nerves or a network, if you will, and you have behind the rib cage in that area a plexus of nerves that are arranged in a circular kind of solar arrangement. So that's why it's called your solar plexus because it looks like a sun basically. And that's when that is essentially one of the the buttons, you know, you've heard in boxing, you got hit on the button. Well, there's mm-hmm. also the button when you get hit right in that area below the sternum, you're like, <gasps> and you and you drop. So yeah. that's essentially what that was. So good job bullying a poor kid, my man. That was was pretty terrible. No, no, you, you, I'm the victim here. They were tra- they were taunting me. I mean, that's what he was, Mitch taunting. But and if he and by the way, if you're listening, Mitch, I am not sorry a bit, son of a bitch, Mitch. Um, wow, I really thought maybe you would Google him before this to make sure he didn't, you know, kill himself or something and leave a note that's like, 
I was good up until Ron Cash punched me right in the sternum. Well, here's the thing. You know, I did that and I walked out of the counselor's room and they call me back a few minutes later, I guess after he stopped gasping and they said, okay, Taunton gets a free shot on you. I said, go ahead. It's like, you know what? You know, fine, go ahead. And they said, no, when you're not ready. And the thing is, what I had forgotten, I had said as I let him have it, oh, what the hell? Boom. And so I'm waiting all summer for Taunton to come up to me and say, what the hell? And he did like two, three days before camp ended. And as soon as I saw him coming and I heard that, I just tensed everything. Yes, tensed everything up. He took one shot and I looked at him and I went, you done now? Because he was smaller than me, but I didn't care. He was a pain in the ass. There you go. Good for you beating up little kids. <laughs> he was about same age as me. I can't help but he was a run. <laughs> so Ron, as far as the show goes, you've listened to more episodes than a lot of people. And you kind of get the concept. It's, you know, it's a swing and miss story. And you told me you had a great story that only a millennial would find funny or something to that Oh, jeez. Oh, <laughs> this is now, okay. If punching Mitch was embarrassing, this is worse. Um, one of the things Alan knows is I do a lot of counseling with people, not that kind of counseling, but um, I do career counseling and I have a book out there and I had, I wrote this book the last time the economy tanked and it's called Someone's Going to Get Hired, It Might As Well Be You. And I was living up in Westchester then. So I am, you know, I've got the book, it's out there, I'm plugging it, I'm tweeting, I'm doing all kinds of shit. And somebody finds my book and they read the book and in the book it says that I live in Westchester. She lives in Westchester, tracks me down through the internet, finds me, says, do you do coaching and counseling? I say, yeah, of course I do. She says, could we meet? And I think, sure, this is this is the dream. This is easy pickings. You're essentially getting business through your book, yeah. Exactly, you know, I, you write the book, passive income. I can just talk to her about what I said in the book. I don't have to even think. And so we meet at this little restaurant, coffee shop kind of place. And I'm like, oh, you know, so I'm like, yeah, I'm going to meet the person who found me through my book. <laughs> And I'm all up and up and I get there and we're talking and I say, so uh, <clears throat> would you like me to sign your book? And she looks at me and says, you want to sign my phone? And it's like, oh, <laughs> such a freaking dinosaur. <laughs> it's like, I, but we did do at least three sessions. She did find the new job. It worked. But the whole time, it's like, talk about being deflated. Um, Clint Hurdle, former manager of the Colorado Rockies. You heard, heard, right? heard of him, yeah. Right, yeah. He has a motto. There are two kinds of people in this world. People who are humble, people who are about to be. Yeah. That's good. That's, I mean, there's truth to that. I've oh, had yeah. to eat a couple slices of humble pie along the way. I tell you, it's right up there with eating crow. It, it's hard, <laughs> but humility is good. Now, I've never gotten on stage and performed as doing stand-up comedy, which it's kind of my goal before I leave New York one day. But I tell you, the audience. They'll, I'll be there. they'll tell you any comedian that's ever done it is silence is the great equalizer. And that'll make you go back and sit down and go, all right, this wasn't as easy as I thought it would be. I'm going to have to work. I'm going to have to practice. I'm going to have to do all this stuff. So yeah. I, I think that's a great lesson. And, you know, we guess we haven't really said what you do professionally, not that we need to get into specifics, but you are, you call a career counselor. Counselor, right? That's yeah. Fair. And Ron has helped me out with millions. Uh, that's not an understatement. Millions of decisions and thinking and doing and such a 
smart person with, what's the expression? With all this gray hair comes some wisdom? A little bit, yeah, absolutely, yeah. And I think the less gray hair, which is, you know, that's another thing that comes with age, uh, maybe less wisdom. So it'll be trickling away. But, you know, use it while you got it. (laughs) Flaunt it if you got it. (laughs) But you would agree that of all the people you've ever worked with, most people aren't completely hopeless. There's some jerks out there, but most people, if you just sit down and focus, there's a path. There's always a path towards something, right? Absolutely. No question. Um, I'm not going to say that everyone can find the job. Um, Nobody is 100%. Um, I got a decent batting average. I'll put it that way. Uh, I would say, you know, more than half of the people who I work with do find the next job. That's, you know, which which considering that the average is somewhere around 30%, I'll take it. Well, that's essentially how it works in baseball. When I have patients that come in and I have to try to explain baseball related things to them, it's always easy to quickly just say, all right, what if I told you, you could go to your job and a quarter of the time you would do a good job. That's it. Just a quarter of the time. And the rest of it, you can make complete mistakes. And they look at me and they go, okay. I said, well, that means you're a professional baseball player. Now, if (laughs) you're willing to do a good job three out of 10 times, you're an all-star. Like you are one of the prized possessions of the company. And they're looking at me like timeout two, two weeks. So five work days, five work days. If I just do a good job three days, I was like, you're an all-star. And if you want to do a great job, if you do a good job four times out of 10, you're in the Hall of Fame. Hall of Fame. Yeah. Hall of Fame. Best person ever. So I would say for somebody like you, and I also having spoken with you many times, you're putting people in some high-end positions sometimes. 30% oh, yeah. is amazing. Yeah, no, but 30% is what most of most of my friends do and who are doing the same kind of thing. I'm over, fi- I am somewhere, well, okay, last time I looked, I was 59%. So yeah, yeah. okay, I'll brag. Why not? How come you never went to the dark side of headhunting, right? Is, am I wrong that that's the dark side where like you're just making money over money, but it's not really serving a purpose? I probably because earlier in my career, I was a recruiter, but I was inside of companies. So I was working inside of a company and I had the, the headhunters calling me and trying to foist their people off. And some of the people I'm talking, they were absolute dog meat. It was terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, and I'm not going to look. I know some people who are terrific executive search professionals. Uh, yes, executive search professionals. Um, and there are people who are headhunters. And I, I could never, that's, you know what it is? That's a salesperson. I'm just selling things. I knew other people who, there's an expression, which is, you know, they're just throwing spaghetti at the wall. Yeah. You ever made pasta? Yeah, I actually yeah. got hit pretty bad by <laughs> Friday the 13th a couple of weeks ago. I wasn't going to share this with anybody, but I was making pasta in between patients while I was working. I was hungry and I was making some rigatoni, specifically rigatoni, which makes the story worse. And I'll tell you why. It doesn't stick to the wall. <laughs> Wait, rigatoni is the one that has the ridges in it? Yeah. Okay. Oh, no, the rigatoni is the long cylinder one. No, so it was rotini. Rotini. I was making rutini pasta and I put some out Alfredo and I did it. And of course I take out the world famous Old Bay seasoning because that's what you have to put on. And I opened up up the side of it and gave it two taps and the whole thing opened up and I covered the all of, this was Friday the 13th, you know, in November, covered the pasta. I am now throwing away and scooping out Old Bay left and right. The pasta was ruined and I specified that it was rotini because I tried to even go in between the pasta and it it, can't do that. (laughs) Right. So naturally you take your losses, you throw it out and you start over. Ah, 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 no, 
not Dr. Allen. What I did was I boiled some more pasta, added some more white sauce, and then mixed those together and mixed it up. And it was still barely edible. But at this point, I'm just holding my nose and I'm just like, you know, I'm going to eat this shit somewhere. I'm going to care so much. And the problem is you're going to have so many leftovers, you're going to be eating it for two days after that because ain't nobody else going to touch that. I wanted nothing to do with this Old Bay seasoning or pasta, so I put some in the freezer. But I was more upset about the loss of the Old Bay, the man down that happened than I was about anything else. That really was – yeah, so have I made pasta? Yeah, I've I've made some pasta. I'm talking spaghetti. Spaghetti. You know when's happening? I know. I, yeah, I, you know where I'm going. And yeah, well, that's I knew where it. you were going. These, these recruiters, they're just throwing candidates at a position, hoping one will stick. Got it. Now, yes. do you know that there is a famous owner in the National Football League who made all of his money in the headhunting business? Do you know what team he owns? No, I did not. I was unaware of this. I'll give you th- um, three guesses. Let me say, um, Baltimore Ravens. Baltimore <laughs> Ravens. Steve Fashadi. There you go. He made uh, most of his money in like the headhunting. I think he owned a headhunting business. There is no. There is tons of money. They are getting thirty percent of first year salary. You play wow. someone. Yeah. God you bless. play someone at five hundred grand. You're talking about some serious change. That's but a whole you, lot of you made me think of something with with your pasta. Okay, why is it that whenever something goes horribly wrong, it's when you're making enough to feed the Soviet Union? It's like you know, it's never like one batch. Okay, this sucked. I'll throw it away. No, it's like okay, well now there's all that chicken there. That happened. Uh, we one time, and I know that you happened. You've had a chicken wing or two in your time, right? Oh, I've not. Met many chicken wings I didn't like. Oh, you wouldn't have liked the first time I ever decided to try to make chicken wings. We were having about three or four other couples over, and I got no idea. So I have got, I don't know, like 30 or 40 chicken wings. Made a huge batch. We made a huge batch of gazpacho too. I mean, we made we had jugs of gazpacho and all these wings. The gazpacho was too spicy, and the wings were even spicier. It was to die for. We had these w- people. They had like one or two wings, and it was like, no, that's okay. I'll just I'll just pick at the cheese and crackers over here. And we had wings in that fridge. After about three days, Rita's like, I cannot. I'm not touching another one of those wings. And I kept trying. Finally, threw out about the last seven or eight why when something goes wrong it's always when you're making a batch that yeah. would fill a butt a tub yeah it's well very rarely are you ever cooking a single serving if i'm going to go through the process i'm probably just going to make enough for a couple of days yeah you got a jew married to an italian we do not know how to make a single meal this is a fact i tried i i, I made a jumboat the other day jumboat a jumbo shrimp yes i'm familiar yeah <laughs> No, jambot. It's Italian for all mixed together. Basically, it's whatever you got. We had some zucchini, potatoes, a little, you know, just throw some string beans, some beans, you throw it all in together. Next thing you know, the pot's overflowing. It's like, you know, Thanksgiving is coming up soon. What the hell are you doing? It's like, I, I, this was a small pot. This was, I couldn't help. It just, it overflows. That's nice. Yeah, they, uh, Ben and Jerry's makes a flavor like that. It's called Everything But the Kitchen Sink. And they just put in like potato chips and pretzels oh, and yes, chocolate. Oh, yes, right, yeah. It's not very good. If you're getting Ben and Jerry's, oh. it's Chunky Monkey. Yes. Or Everything, or, uh, sorry, or American Dream. Those are the two best. Yes, their pistachio is good too. Ugh, why would anybody ever get pistachio? My grandfather used to buy me pistachio. Yeah, fuck him. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, seriously, that was one thing. I remember my grandfather, I, he loved pistachio ice cream. Uh, my mom's dad, we would at the bungalow colony up in the Catskills, 
And we would go up there for a couple of weeks during the summer. And he would take take me down to the store, buy me a pistachio ice cream. He go, look, green ice cream. They make green ice. This he's from you know Poland. Green ice cream in America. It's like I guess they only had vanilla over in Poland. I tell you, as somebody who loves the color green, I'm all in, but more for mint chocolate really? chip. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. All right, Ron, you said as a listener, you know the formula for the show. You said. Ah, ah, ah. I have trivia. Uh, yes, I do. Okay, and we were talking about what I did for a living. Oh, shit. Okay. I'm so, so nervous. No, no, no. no, no, no. Yeah. And, and like you, I've been listening. I know they get harder as we go along. That's what she said. Um, except I gave you, well, a sort of a gimme at the end because the last one's about baseball. Okay. Uh, all right. So is there a topic? There is a topic. Comebacks. People who had a comeback from a setback. Okay? okay. Because, you know, a lot of people have had these professional setbacks, but they do have to come back, right? Okay, so. Baby comeback. <laughs> oh, I knew I'd give you a couple of song cues. Question number one, starting with the easy ones here. From what company was Steve Jobs fired? Am I writing these down? Let's just, can we just go through them? Can, Is that we cool? We can just go through them. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Well, he was fired from his own company, Apple. There you go. One for one. Okay. Ooh, that was we, tough. First one. <laughs> oh, no, no. Okay. The next, there are clues built into these. Okay. Okay. What cartoonist was fired from a major Kansas City newspaper because, quote, he wasn't creative enough? Now, I'll give you a hint. Yeah. yeah. What was the hint in there? Okay. Here's the hint. On his train ride back to California, he started sketching something that became the key to his success. I have no idea. What cartoonist? How many cartoonists do you think I can name? Dr. Seuss. That's all I got. Not a bad guess. Not a bad guess. It was Walt Disney. Okay. Walt Disney was fired for not being creative enough. Wow. And then he became a racist. Okay. Well, yeah. Not a racist. Sorry. Anti-Semitic. There you go. Absolutely. And a misogynist. Let's not forget that. Just ask Annette about that. Okay. By the way, you do know the name of what he was sketching on the train ride back. I'm assuming it was Steamboat Mickey. Actually, no. It was Mortimer Mouse. He sketched a mouse. He sketched a mouse and he gets back home, shows his wife and says, it's Mortimer Mouse. She says, Mortimer is a terrible name. She's the one who came up with Mickey. Okay, so there you is go. Is he also frozen and waiting to be reanimated? Uh, probably. <laughs> the irony okay. of the fact that it's called reanimated and he did animation is great. <laughs> I love it. Okay. This one, th- if you get this one, you, you just, you can consider yourself five to five and I'll give you hints on this one. Okay. 1938, the year I was born. Fuck you. Okay. 1938. It's a one-man show over here. <laughs> what? And here's one of the hints. What? Rochester, New York company turned down Chester Carlson. Chester Carlson had an idea for electrostatic photography, or as he called it, dry photography. And this company up in Rochester, New York, turned him down because they said, that's not photography. Can you name the company? I'll say, go ahead. I'll say Kodak, but I have no idea. It's Kodak. Okay. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. They turned him down. The SATs were easier than this. (laughs) Okay. Here, bonus question. Question, bonus question. Wait, you said if I got that, it's five for five and we could just stop. <laughs> no, no, I got two more for you. But here's a bonus question. What was the name that Chester Carlson came up for his company of dry photography? Polaroid. Xerox. Oh, I'm so close. Yes, Xerox. It's X-E-E-R-S. That's dry. And gr- anyway, so uh, you were close. Which, which company would you rather have stock in today, Xerox or Kodak? Amazon. Okay. <laughs> Going back to your buddy, Chicken, Harlan Sanders. 
the colonel, okay? Man was forced into retirement. His company had mandatory retirement at 65. He wasn't done. Decided he would try to market the one thing that he had, his recipe for fried chicken. Oh, I thought that was going to be the question. I was like, yeah, I know this. I know this. (laughs) No, the question is, it's comebacks and setbacks. How many restaurants within 100, that's all you got to do, within 100, how many restaurants turned down Harlan Sanders? Oh, I bet it's something obnoxious. I'll say the devil, 666. Not a bad guess, but wrong. 1,009. And the deal was, he said, I'll just go in. He says, for every order of my chicken, you pay me a nickel. And 1,009 said no, but he persevered. And within about five years, he had 200 outlets and now there's KFC everywhere. Yeah, and it's it's horrible. Go to Popeye's. Uh, Well, yeah, I would agree with you there. Okay, I promised you baseball. Okay, Willie Mays, you've heard of him. I know Willie Mays Hayes. I knew you you were going to go there. Absolutely. Okay, we're not talking about Wesley. Willie Mays started his career, went 0 for 12. What a bitch. Yeah, really. You know, then 13th at bat, hit the first of 660 home runs. Okay? Pretty good. All right. Now, within three, how many hits did he have in his first 25 at bats? I gave you the first 13. He went one for 13 in his first 25. Man's a Hall of Famer. And here's the bonus. If you can get this, Nick, the bonus is off of what Hall of Fame left-hander oh did he hit God. the home run? <laughs> you never get that part. Sandy, no. Sandy Koufax. I'll throw that out there. No, no, no. Um, I bet you he went on a tear and hit 16 hits of his next 25 at-bats. No, 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 no. In his oh, first 25. So how many in the first 25? He was one for 13. And what was he for the, for the, for the 25, for the first 25 at-bats? Not the next 25 at-bats. I don't understand. How many hits did he get in the next 12? Oh, in the next 12. So he had one. One for 13, and then in his next 12. All right, I'll just do it. He didn't. No, he had to make an out. So of the next 12, he probably had 10. So 10 plus the one, I'll say 11. Okay. Zero. After the home run, he he went (laughs) one for his first 25. At, at which point his manager, Leo DeRocher, says to him, you're my center fielder. And then he went on a tear. Oh, Absolutely. my God. Right. One for his first 25. So, and no, it wasn't Sandy Fokofax. It was Warren Spahn. The Nobody, le- who do you think Wait. is listening to these podcasts that knows Warren Spahn? <laughs> Somebody from Milwaukee. They love Nobody Warren Spahn. From Milwaukee. <laughs> Nobody from Milwaukee. No. Maybe somebody from Green Bay. I don't know. <laughs> no pack, no. Okay, so. Good stuff. So, I, I got two, Ron. You got two. You got, uh, that's right. You didn't get wall. Okay. So you got Kodak and you got Steve and you got Apple. Apple. All okay. right. Well, I'm happy I got two because that was looking pretty rough. Okay. Sir, before we sign off, please let everybody know where they can find your new book. Oh, okay. Yes. I do have a new, I mentioned the old book, which I wrote last time. Uh, someone's going to get hired. It might as well be you. That was the first book. But now, um, new book available on Amazon uh, in Kindle version only right now. Someone's going to get hired even in a pandemic that's the new book that's awesome man because we're in a pandemic and we'll probably be here for a little bit longer i think we shall be i think this is gonna i I know that they're talking about a a vaccine not a cure but a vaccine but uh i still think it's going to be with us for a while and people are going to be needing help and it's there for you someone's going to get hired even in a pandemic all right well i really hope everybody had fun listening to today's episode or tonight depending on when you're listening to this ron 
I don't know what to say to you. You know, I want to say I love you like a father, but well, I don't really love my father that much. And, and you know, the truth is, is we're more friends than that. And it, it's a fam- familial relationship. And sir, it has been so much fun talking to you. It's been even more fun working with you all these years. I am so, so, so proud of you. I, this is what I really, really mean. This is a heartfelt moment over a podcast. But the truth is, is you're probably my prize possession patient type of thing where when I talk about someone, I'm like, now this is the story that people need to pay attention to because if this schlub can do it, anybody really, can do it. Really? I, I should be your, I, absolutely. You just trot me out dog and pony show because you took something that really there was no way, um, you know, you're one of the people, you and the surgeon, you saved my life. L'chaim. Absolutely, man. L'chaim. All Thanks right. for listening to this episode, people. Make sure you're downloaded us. Follow us on Facebook, Booze Your Daddy, Instagram, YouTube. We got it all. Comment, leave a rating. Daddy loves you. Run out. Run out. Daddy out. We out.